I'm going to go back to our uh, series openings here in Scripture, Mark chapter 9 and uh, Romans 12 and 2 Corinthians. But in Mark 9, just to read a portion of this to you today. After six days, Jesus took Peter, James, and John with him and led them up on a high mountain where they were all alone. There he was transfigured or transformed before them. His clothes became dazzling white, whiter than anyone in the world could bleach them. And there appeared before them Elijah and Moses who were talking with Jesus. Now what you see here is a picture, you know, a picture of what Jesus is actually like. They got to see him for who he was. But understand this, it's not just a picture of who Jesus was, it's what you and I are becoming. We're being transformed according to Scripture. Romans 12 tells us what that mechanism is like. Therefore, I urge your brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. Listen to these words. Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. In both cases here, the word transform is literally to go from one form to another. You're morphing into something that is pleasing to God. Can I have an amen? amen? The problem is there's another influence out there that wants you to morph into its image, and it's the world. And the Bible scholar J.B. Phillips put it like this, don't let the world squeeze you into its mold. How many can sense some pressure out there trying to squeeze you into a different type of mold? Well, that's what we're talking about here, except we're not going to be squeezed into the mold of the world. We're going to follow scriptures like 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18, where it says, And we all who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed, same Greek word, into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. So we're to be transformed not just in some generic religious fashion or form or let the world squeeze us into its mold, but you and I are supposed to be transformed into His image, the image of Christ. We're going from glory to glory, from faith to faith to victory to victory. This is a special declaration, I believe, from the Holy Spirit for our church. You are going to be transformed this year like never before. I'm going to say it again. You're going to be transformed this year like never before. You're not going to take the bait of the world or the enemy or some bad influence, but you're going to become more and more like Him. What does it mean to be conformed to His image? in His values, His beliefs, His character, His power, His anointing, and His purpose or His priorities. That's what it means to be conformed to Christ. Now to understand as a baseline for all of us, all we're talking about when we say transformation is the supernatural and divine change and transition of the believer into the image of Christ. We're not talking about what can be done naturally. We're talking about what can be done supernaturally. Divine and supernatural transformation of God. And He's at work in your life. Now you're here today and say, well, I'm kind of checking the things out. I'm investigating Christianity. Or maybe you're from a background of, of a different world religion and you don't know the Lord. The first step, of course, is to give your life to Christ. To be born again, to experience the new birth in Him. And if everyone in this room is, and maybe you are, maybe you're not, you can be by the time you leave this service. But if you've experienced the new birth, that transformation is already at work. That power is already at work in you. Your, your spouse may not agree with it, but you're not the same as you were a few years ago. Say it with me. I'm changing. I'm being transformed. The purpose of this message is to encourage you not only be transformed, but to hold on to the transformation God is doing in you. I've watched through the years how 
God will begin this work in someone and they begin get their eyes off of him, begin to receive other influences, other inputs, and that transformation is compromised. So just because God is doing something in your life doesn't mean it's going to be automatically completed because we have to agree with him and yield to him to see that happen. Any moment in time we decide that he doesn't know what he's doing and we don't want to go down his path, that transformation can be compromised. This must have been seriously on Paul's heart on his life because he talked about things like shipwreck to his spiritual son, Timothy. Listen to what he says in chapter 1, verse 19 of 1 Timothy. Cling to your faith in Christ and keep your conscience clear for some have deliberately violated their consciences and as a result their faith has been shipwrecked. And then he said in chapter 4, verse 1, Now the Spirit expressly says that in latter times some will depart from the faith uh, giving heed to seducing spirits and doctrines of devils or teachings of demons. Now, I don't care what you've been taught. Somebody tells you, well, you can't depart the faith, you can't leave the faith. Well, I'm either going to go with Paul and the Holy Ghost or with your theology. You can, and you're seeing it all over the country and throughout the world. The latest generation calls it deconstructing their faith. That's just a fancy word for apostasy. There's no deconstructing the faith. You either believe it or you don't. Jesus is Lord or he is not. And if you begin to follow that stuff, what will happen is the transformation will stop and you'll begin to be squeezed into a mold that God never intended for you to be molded by and become something he ever intended for you to become. Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Take care, brothers, lest there be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart leading you to fall away from the living God. Now notice this, he's talking to brothers. He's talking to Christians. And he says that at some point in time, if you're not careful, you can switch off, I'm going to have faith in God, to develop an evil and unbelieving heart, where you begin to go down a different path altogether. That's why it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, and verse 3, but I'm afraid that as the serpent deceived Eve by his cunning, your thoughts will be led astray from a sincere and pure devotion to Christ. The bottom line is Adam and Eve were perfect when they were made, and yet they still strayed. Satan was made a perfect being, a wonderful being at creation who turned from God. I want to encourage you that your transformation in Christ is a good thing. It's a wonderful thing. Eye hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man, but God has prepared for those that love him. You haven't even begun to see yet what God is going to do in your life. Whatever he is doing, let him bring it to completion. Don't pay attention to things that will pull you away from this transformation process. It doesn't make any difference how good sounding they are. God's doing something in you. Say it with me. He's working on something. And I'm telling you, it's a good thing. Hallelujah. You see the example in Scripture, not just in contemporary life. I could sit here as a pastor and just roll out probably 20, 25 stories of people who have done this very thing since I've been in spiritual leadership. And I'll tell you, they all have the same thing in common. They all bit off on some kind of, you know, dangling bait of the enemy and ran with it. And eventually, of course, if you do this, it's going to cause not transformation, but destruction in your life. But Scripture is filled with stories like this. 
There's a man of God named Elijah, and he poured his life into a man named Elisha. And Elisha was pouring his life into a man named Gehazi. But Gehazi, instead of listening and letting the transformation take place, where Elisha had a double portion of the anointing of Elijah, this man was set up for the double-double. But instead of reaching his destiny, he let some greed and some disrespect for the man of God enter in. And instead of that, everything was destroyed in his life, became leprous and compromised his prophetic ministry. In other words, there's no question he was in the process of transformation. But it did not be, it was not completed because he would not stay on the path that God gave him. He's not the only one. One of my favorite biblical and historical figures in all of the history of Israel is a man named Uzziah who was taught as a boy at the tutelage of the prophet Zechariah. And everything this young man did as he became king prospered. He was successful in literally everything he put his hand to. The scripture says as long as he sought the Lord, God gave him good success. But one day he decided that wasn't enough. I'm going to go in and act like I'm the high priest as well. And he's offering incense where it's not allowed for him to do that. And the Bible says the high priest and other courageous priests, that's not a misprint. It's not their by accident. It took courage to do what they did. They walked in and said, this is not lawful for you to do. And instead of humbling himself and saying, you know what? You're right. I'm king. I'm not priest. I need to go right now and seek God. He raged at them. And the scripture says he became what? Leper is white as snow. He lost his palace. He lost his throne. He lost his influence. He lost everything. Don't tell me he wasn't on a path of transformation. This man was being transformed into one of the greatest kings Israel ever happened, but the story did not end well because he didn't let the transformation take place. In Gehazi's situation, he was transformed, but he lost his prophetic ministry due to greed and dishonor. Uzziah was being transformed, but he lost his position due to pride, offense, and anger. I'll tell you this, that pride and offense always go together. 99.99% of the time when you get offended, it's because somebody wounded your pride. And if you deal with the pride, you'd be offended far less. Well, I can tell you this, it's not worth your destiny. I'm telling you, God's doing something great on the inside of you. He did not bring you this far to watch it be compromised. He does not want your, uh, your transformation aborted by some offense. Just stay humble. Look at somebody and tell them, stay correctable. Everybody say it with me. We have not arrived. So let's stop pretending we have. From time to time, we're going to be corrected and we should stay correctable. There's no question Gehazi was on a path of transformation. There's no question that this man, Uzziah, was on a path of transformation. Samson, the same way, given supernatural strength. One preacher pointed out, this man didn't have great muscles like the Hulk or something. He was common. That wasn't the source of his power. The source of his power was his anointing based on the Nazarite vow that he had. And where was it located at? Symbolically and in course and practically in his hair. And you know what mom and dad said? Hey, we don't want you messing around with the girls in that camp. And instead of listening and honoring what mom and dad said, he got himself involved with a certain person. What's her name? And eventually tricked him into what? 
cutting his hair. He was captured after great success, after transforming power came out and gave him victory over enemy after enemy. There he is between two columns in this portico. His eyes gouged out, asking God for one more display of transformation. He was transformed, and yet, guess what? His disrespect and dishonor for his parents and his lust got in the way. I want you to know that there's nothing you can experience in this life that is worth casting away your transformation. Come on, say it. It's the year of transformation, and I want to see it come to pass. Hallelujah. Come on, confess this one more time with me with all your heart. I hadn't seen Come on, shout it out. Ear hadn't heard, nor has it been revealed to the heart of man what God has prepared for those that love him. But we do discern it by the Holy Ghost, don't we, church? I'm excited about it because I can see in the spirit where God's going to take so many of you. Sometimes you see more as a pastor then people are, are ready to receive themselves or are in a position to receive. And yeah, as a pastor, sometimes you pick up on things that are problems and by the Spirit, praying for people about different issues. And there are times that are just extraordinary like this year. But all you keep seeing is what they're going to do for Jesus. Amen. What He's going to do through them. Amen. What the transformation is going to look like in their lives and what it's going to produce for the kingdom of God. I love that uh, film clip because I love not only what God gave that little boy, transforming power from the time he was a little kid, to touch hearts and lives of music, but what about that piano tuner who probably thought my life's not all that big of a deal? He just transformed that little boy's life by being available to be a transforming influence and a giver. Who knows what that little guy's going to do in the kingdom of God before it's all over with. Amen. Glory to God. Well, Samson transformed, but he lost his power due to dishonor and lust. Probably the greatest example of a transformation aborted anywhere in Scripture is found in the life of King Saul. And I want you to turn to 1 Timothy and read along with me here. Let's highlight, first of all, the transformation that he was experiencing. In verse 1 of 1 Samuel 10, when you found it, say, I have found it. First Samuel 10. Help me thank God for the word today. Help me thank God for the freedom we have to preach it and receive it. Then Samuel took a flask of olive oil and poured it on Saul's head and kissed him, saying, Has not the Lord anointed you ruler over his inheritance? When you leave me today, you will meet two men near Rachel's tomb at Zelzah on the border of Benjamin. They'll say to you, The donkeys you set out to look for have been found, and now your father has stopped thinking about them and is worried about you. He is asking, What shall I do about my son? And you will go on from there until you reach the great tree of Tabor. And three men going up to worship God at Bethel will meet you there. One will be carrying three young goats, another three loaves of bread, and another a skin of wine. They will greet you and offer you two loaves of bread, which you will accept from them. After that, you will go to Gibeah of God. And there is a Philistine outpost. 
And as you approach the town, you will meet a procession of prophets coming down from the high place with lyres and timbrels, pipes and harps being played before them. They will be prophesying. The Spirit of the Lord will come powerfully upon you, and you will prophesy with them, and you will be changed into a different person. Come on, shout that out. And you will be changed into a different person. You say, well, I'm already saved. What's the big deal? What else is there? That's the starting point, not the end point. And you will be changed into a different person. Once these signs are fulfilled, do whatever your hands find to do, for God is with you. Go down ahead of me to Gilgal. I will surely come down to you to sacrifice burnt offerings and fellowship offerings, but you must wait seven days until I come to you and tell you what you are to do. As Saul turned to leave Samuel, God changed Saul's heart, and all these signs were fulfilled that day. When he and his servant arrived at Gibeah, a procession of prophets met him. The Spirit of God came powerfully upon him, and he joined in their prophesying. When all those who had formerly known him saw him prophesying with the prophets, they asked each other, What is this that has happened in the son of Kish's life? Is Saul also among the prophets? You know what I'm saying? People are going to be saying the same thing about you. What has happened to so-and-so? Can you receive that today? Because again, it's not just getting born again. It's going through whatever transformation God has for you. In other words, folks you know aren't even going to recognize you if you allow God to do what he wants to do in your life. I want you just to see real briefly some of the impacts and results of this transformation. I want you to write these down because if Saul could have them, so could you. There are things that come with the transformation of the life. There's no replacing the new birth. There's no greater miracle that you'll ever have. There's nothing like knowing you can lay your head down tonight on a pillow without a sense of condemnation and guilt. Amen? Amen. There's nothing like knowing your name is written in the Lamb's Book of Life. There's nothing knowing that you have peace with God through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. But that's the starting point. He's not done with you just because you got saved. He's still working and does great things in you. Number one, he experienced divine promotion. Divine promotion. Not based on qualifications or what pedigree or education you have. If Saul could have divine promotion, so can you. Why? Because God wants to do it. That's all that has to happen is not you perform, not you're perfect, but God promoting you divinely in whatever setting he has you in for his own purposes. When God transforms, he also promotes. It baffles people, but guess what? If he did it once, he can do it again. Number two, he brought divine direction. You're going to meet these men at Rachel's tomb. You and I never have to live a day of our lives without knowing what God wants us to do. We never have to be without direction ever again if we'll let him do it. The problem with you and me is we are still so self-directed we don't have time for God's direction. Can I have a better amen than that? Uh, Mentioned earlier about Wilma having a revelation of Jesus as Lord. He's the one supposed to be calling the shots. If you'll trust him where he'll take you is a whole lot better than where you want to go. Still that flesh. Tell it to shut up. I'm going to stay in a mode of transformation so God can talk to me and not have a life that I laid out and planned, 
but a life that he laid out and planned. Amen. I uh, kind of like George Bailey growing up. I mean, I had this year planned and the next year planned and the next year planned and the year after that. You understand what I'm saying to you? And I had everything marked out that I was uh, in the College of Charleston in a pre-med, joint pre-med program, Bachelor of Science, where they transferred your, your, your senior year into the Medical University of South Carolina, finish the program in seven years, and, and go on and do whatever I felt like I was supposed to do. The problem was my idea was not God's idea. So I thought it was going to be a big shock when I uh, finally you know, let my parents know that I was not going to medical school, that I was actually going to the seminary, cemetery, seminary. I should get a shirt that says, I survived seminary. <laughs> and then you should get a t-shirt that says, we survived his seminary, amen. <laughs> I think that's a much greater miracle. I was uh, sitting up in the mayor in Illinois, kind of intimidating, and terrified to tell my mom after all these plans have been made. And we're sitting there at a Shoney's at a restaurant. Dad was on a business meeting. And I look at her and I say, well, I'm not going here. I'm actually going to, to seminary to prepare for ministry. And she starts cackling like a hen. She starts laughing her head off. Thought that was the funniest thing in the world. Here I am at the most pivotal time in my life. This is a very serious conversation to me. And she's laughing. So when she got done, I said, what are you laughing about? I told your father that three years ago. But you didn't tell me about it. <laughs> and I tell you, that was wisdom because parents can't call kids into the ministry. Only the sovereign God can call kids into the ministry. You can confirm it along the way like that. And I'm just pointing out to you that uh, if you've got the mentality that you're going to self-direct your life, you can have a life, but you can't have the best and most transformed life until you get a hold of what his direction is for your life. And part of this transformation is divine promotion, but also Divine direction. Come on, say it. I never have to be without direction ever again in my life. Number three, he received divine restoration. He was sent out by his father to find those valuable donkeys and animals because they were lost. And guess what? Now all of a sudden, because of transformation, the issue is no longer the donkeys. There's been restoration. In this room are people who have lost great things. You've lost valuable things. You've lost precious things to you. You're going to find out in the year of transformation that restoration is also going to come with your transformation. Amen. Try to do everything yourself, you'll miss out. But you put your confidence in God this year and don't be surprised when the donkeys show up in your garage. Would that be okay with you? Lost things, destroyed things, broken things, things you've given up on. It is transformation. It includes a thing called restoration. And when he restores, it just doesn't bring it back. It's better. Amen. 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 With that uh, transformation comes divine increase. Seems like a minor thing, but he's given two loaves of bread. And he's told to receive that. But you have to understand when you're on a transformation track, your provision is not your responsibility. Do you know what doesn't make any difference how high eggs get? You're going to have the new birth on a transformation track. If you want eggs, you'll have eggs. Do you need milk? You'll, you'll get milk. I know what y'all want. Megan! <laughs> Can you believe how high bacon is? It doesn't matter how high bacon is. 
You can't set a price on bacon so high that your father can't meet it with bells on. And you need to know that with that transformation comes God's divine provision. When I was in college and my pastor preached on grace, he said grace is what you need when you need it. And I believe in this year of transformation, that's exactly what's going to happen. Whatever it is you need, expect him to give you that increase. Number five, divine gifts. This man never prophesied before, but all of a sudden he's prophesying. This is a year where you need to believe in transformation, that God is going to deposit some things in your life that you couldn't do before. Now, I don't know if you'll ever play the piano like that young man. I don't know if you'll ever, you know, sing like a great you know, singer or play like a great player. You know, I don't know, but I can tell you this. God in an instant can deposit something in your life on a transformation track that will change you and change people through you. There may be a desire in your heart. Watch and see what God will do. Gifts and abilities, natural talents, but also spiritual gifts. Some of you have longed to take your bony little hands and lay your hands on the sick and watch people recover. This is that year for you to expect God to use you. And no matter how bad it is or how big the problem is, God can use you. All it takes are divine gifts being dropped into your life. I tell you, we don't want to come off this transformation path. Why he ever would, I don't know. But I'm telling you that with the transformation came promotion, direction, restoration, increase, and divine gifts. Hallelujah. When you realize you've been gifted, you open up that gift and you use it for God's glory. You can have it. Amen. Come on, shout it out. It's for God's glory, not mine. You may find yourself being able to do things you've never been able to do before. I'm listening to me carefully because I'm starting to prophesy to some of you. You're going to be able to solve problems that have never been solvable before. Insight people have not had before coming into your life simply because you choose to stay on the path of transformation in your life. Divine transformation literally means he's not just receiving divine gifts. He's receiving divine change. He's literally a person that he's never been before. I love that phrase. The people that knew him didn't recognize him. Did he change his clothing? No. Had he changed his hair? No. Was he in a kingly robe? No. They saw and witnessed the anointing and presence of God on his life. Amen. Your best days are ahead of you. This year, transformation means that other people don't even realize what's happened, but you know something powerful has happened, and it's for His glory and for His good. Can I have an amen? amen. Number seven, divine blessing came on his life. He said, you know, go do what you will, for God is with you. There's going to be a revelation on you in the year of transformation that the blessing of God is on your life like never before. The power to do what He's assigned you to do. The realization, not just somebody telling you this, but the realization and revelation that God is with you. God is with you. And if God is with you, there is nothing that you put your hand to that is not blessed. Why would I be blessed? God knows what I have and what I've done and I'm not perfect. Yeah, but you're forgetting one important truth. You've been redeemed from the curse. 
So the only thing left for you is the blessing. You stay on the path of transformation, you begin to see the blessing manifest more than it's ever manifested in your life. Amen. You're supposed to be blessed. You shouldn't apologize for being blessed. Oprah wanted Pastor Joel Osteen to say how terrible he felt about his nice house and his vehicles, you know, and his, his beautiful grand piano. I'd love for somebody just one time to turn the tables on Oprah and say, well, do you feel bad about your billions? It never happens for some reason. And he just smiled and he said, well, Oprah, no, we just see it as the blessing of God. You listen to me carefully. I'm not ashamed of the gospel for it's the power of God unto salvation. You cannot walk in what you're ashamed of. When God does something in your life, you don't have to brag on yourself, but don't you back down on bragging for God. It's the blessing of God on your life and you shouldn't apologize for it. And you know what? I'm going to tell you, the same God that's done for him what he's done is the same God that takes care of you. I know there have been breakthroughs in this room. I know there have been supernatural intervention in your life. And God did that. Amen. We're not going to be ashamed of the blessing in this fellowship. He's been too good to us. Oftentimes when people are ashamed of the blessing, it's with their own hand they've done what they have done. No, my friend, it's the hand of God, whether you recognize it or not. You find a blessed Christian, my God did that. Every ability we celebrate on an athletic field, in a symphony orchestra, in a business meeting, in a church, it's all the blessing of God, whether people see it or not. So this is the year of transformation where you stop cowering when somebody says, well, that's an awful nice purse or an also awful nice haircut or a nice car. Yeah, isn't God good? <laughs> Grace in our staff meeting the other day, she was talking to somebody back home. And Grace, of course, is our children's director and working with our schools. And she said, uh, they said, well, you know, you... You, you chose to go work for, you know, a, a church ministry. I know how tough that is, and, and you'll never have anything really financially. It'll always be kind of, the implication is you'll never have anything financially. And so just out of her mouth, she says this, how do you like my new car? <laughs> I wanted to run up and put a gold star on her forehead. Instead of, well, you know, that's right. We know we're just humble servants of the Lord. No, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich and he has no sorrow to it. You didn't take a vow of poverty when you became a Christian. So stop being ashamed of the glory and the blessing of God in your life, however it manifests. Whatever you do, it's the blessing if it works. Whatever you put your hand to, you prosper. This isn't reserved just for King Saul and King David and King Solomon. That's a misinterpretation of Scripture. God wants you to be blessed. Amen. All the more reason to stay on the path of transformation that God has for you. I know there are people in this room can talk about how the blessing of God opened up doors for them. They would have been passed by in the natural. But you know what? A funny thing happens when people are looking to fill positions or, or God's looking to do something. All of a sudden they just stop on your name. No explanation. There's an explanation for it. It's the blessing of God. Can you imagine this? You applying for a job that you're not qualified for. There's 500 people who want it and you seem the least likely to get it. And all of a sudden that HR manager begins to make a decision and here comes your angel. Hire Fred. I don't know why I'm doing this. 
But Fred, would you like the position? And Fred walks out and says, that's the blessing of God. Amen? Says stuff doesn't happen. It happens all the time. But you and I don't recognize it. All I'm saying is it all comes with transformation. If you come off the path of transformation, you're giving up more than you think you are. Amen. Folks think, well, if I have to live for God, be on fire for God, look at all the stuff I have to give up. Look at all the stuff you get. Well, you have to give up sin, bondage, hell, you poor thing you. (laughs) Disappointment, discouragement. No. With that transformation comes divine instruction. Samuel told him, I will be back to a sacrifice and I will tell you what you are to do. I tell you, with that transformation comes the wisdom of God whenever, wherever, whatever you need. If any man lack wisdom, you're not in this life on your own. If you caught yourself saying the past week or so, a few days, I don't know what I'm going to do. I know who knows what to do. With that transformation is the God that knows everything. All you need is just a little bit of his revelation in your heart to solve that thing. I'll show you what you're supposed to do. What am I supposed to do? (laughs) Some of y'all are still saying, when I grow up, Lord, what do you want me to be? Well, a lot of you are up, so it's about time you figured it out. Amen. (laughs) But I know who knows the answer. With that transformation comes divine instruction. This last principle is a divine platform where others witness and see what God has done. So when somebody comes to you, what is it about you that's changed? You just tell them, the Lord has transformed me into a different person. I am not the same. I don't think the same. I don't look the same. I don't act the same. And they're going to see it on your life. They're going to see the distinction on your life. They're going to see something they don't understand. They're going to see the invisible power of the blessing. They're going to see that God on flesh, doing what flesh can't do, the anointing of God. They're going to see the fruit of that blessing in your life. And when you do have that operating in your life, don't be ashamed of it. Just use it as a tool to witness to them. Who did this? You say, God did this, and it's marvelous in my eyes. Come on, shout it out. It's marvelous. God did this, and I'm going to brag on him in Jesus' name. I don't know about you, but I'm thinking about his transformation. Boy, the Lord certainly loaded him up. I think about Psalm 68, the Bible says how he daily loads us with benefits. Everybody say, he daily loads us with benefits. He certainly, you know, packed Saul full here. Say it with me, I receive. Come on boldly, say it, I receive divine promotion, divine direction, divine restoration, divine increase, divine gifts. Divine transformation, divine blessing, divine instruction, divine platform. Anyone who will stay on the path of transformation can experience all this and so much more. But that's the problem that everybody does. The problem is, Uzziah started out well, didn't finish well. Samson started out well, didn't finish well. You understand, Gehazi started out well. 
That one, we should be in our Bibles reading about the exploits of Gehazi. But instead we read about him getting leprosy. And everything is destroyed in his life. King Saul started out well. Just with the simple things that God spoke to him, that he was giving him, that should have been enough for him to say, no, no matter what, I'm not coming off this path. But that's exactly what he did. Hey, Paul, hey, Saul, this is your year of transformation. Stay on the path. You'll do great things. You think that he would have stayed on that path. But he didn't. You and I know that the man who ended up blessed this day is the same man that ended up chasing David. Is the same man who ended up dying on a mountain with the rest of his family, except for one person, Mephibosheth, who God reserved to show his kindness for in a later time. How in the world do you go from such great start to total devastation? He came off the path of transformation. The question is from the Word of God today, how did he do it? This is something for you to just take, you know, take your notepad, you know, and just, just take it before the Lord and say, Lord, protect me from the things that pulled him off of his transformation. Because I can preach and I will be hitting this, this hard all year long. It doesn't do a lot of good if we're not resolved in our heart to stay on the path of transformation. Number one, he defied God. That's how he got off the path of transformation. The Lord made it explicitly clear. Take out the Amalekites, take out their king, take out all the animals, do not spare anything. This is your instruction. And a direct command he defied God in. When you're on the path of transformation, if you want to lose your forward momentum, just defy what God tells you. I don't want to do that. I don't think that's a good idea. I have a better idea with my life. You do that, you're going to find out it's going to compromise what God has in your life. And he, he's confronted by the, by the same prophet that anointed him. How sad is this? And he says, uh, well, I did what you said. I obeyed. And what does the prophet say? How come I hear the bleating of these animals in my ear? And denying and denying arguing and, and finally, you know, he, he says, well, we're going to use these for, for sacrifice. You know, we're going to do this and that. And what did the prophet say to him? To obey is better than sacrifice. To obey is better than disobey and forgiveness. And when you're in a position of transformation like he was in, uh, to whom much is given? Much is required. And as you're being transformed from glory to glory and faith to faith and victory and victory, from power to power, day by day, you got to make sure that you don't find yourself defying what God is telling you. I don't know what that might be, but you know what your response needs to be this year? When the Lord, who is the commander of the armies of God, gives you a command, you need to say, yes, sir, right away, sir, I am yours to command. Not the men think this and not I think this and well, we, we spared everybody but the king and the best animals. We're going to sacrifice them. No, you defy him, you're going to stop your transformation cult. And you'll find out that's what a lot of people do. You say, well, I never did that. <laughs> I never kept the animals for a sacrifice. Yeah, but did God tell you to forgive somebody and you won't do it? 
Yeah, but you don't know what they did. You're trying to bring this down from the level of the divine down to the level of natural man. God's not dealing with your what they did to you. He's dealing with why are you defying me? You know, how we defy is, is kind of individual. Willful disobedience is how transformation stops in our lives. You just put it on a shelf. And then you begin to morph into whatever voice you just obeyed. Because to defy God is to obey some other voice. Now, just take the example of forgiveness. Raise your hand if somebody's ever hurt you, wounded you, offended you, betrayed you, stabbed you in the back. Some of y'all are running out of hands and fingers. Amen. Raise your hand if you've ever been hurt before. Now, that little example is, what does the Lord say? Forgive as you have been forgiven. Well, the Lord never spoke to me personally. He doesn't have to. His word says. Forgive as you have been forgiven. And it also says if you won't forgive, you won't be forgiven. And in that state of flux, there is no transformation going on. And so what you do is you say, you know what, this is just too big of a deal. I can't let this go. And what happens is you defy the voice of God and without even knowing it, you just obey the voice of the devil. You morph into the image of the thing you obey. That's why you got to make sure that it's the Lord that you are obeying. Number two, how do you compromise your transformation? Pass the buck. <laughs> Don't take responsibility for the way things are. You know, today in the modern generation, nothing is ever anybody's fault. It's always somebody else's fault. It wasn't that I'm the king, I was told what to do, and I didn't do it. The men suggested that we hold on to the best animals. No, you can't pass the buck and continue in your transformation. If you blow it, you blow it. God's merciful. He's kind. He's gracious. What he needed to do when the prophet confronted him was say, you know, you're absolutely right. This is not the men's fault. It's not the king's fault. It's not that person's fault. You gave me the directive. I defied God. I repent and sackcloth and ashes. That story would be very different today. Can I tell you something? If you'll forgive that person, your story will be very different too. Or just hold on to it. No, I'm, I'm, I'm holding on to it because I'm hurtful. You're holding on to it because you're prideful. You want to lose that transformation? Defy God. Number two, pass the buck. Number three, compare yourself. As God began to raise up David, he began to go to war and have great success. He was anointed as a warrior. And the people would sing, Saul has slain his thousands and David has his tens of thousands and at that point the Bible says Saul began to keep a watchful jealous insecure eye on David 
The apostle says, companion yourselves with yourselves as unwise. You'll find out that transformation cannot take place in an unloving heart. You don't need to be insecure about your situation. You need to be thankful that you're in your own situation with him. It doesn't matter what somebody else is or is not doing. Are you doing what God's called you to do? Maybe David's threshold was tens of thousands. Get your eye on somebody else's life on their command and compare yourself to them and all of a sudden you get offended. I have watched people transform, 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 transform and then somebody else is believing God for a kind of job or a kind of vehicle or a kind of house or a kind of whatever and they don't get it but this other person gets it. They stop transforming because they compared themselves with somebody else and became jealous and insecure. As if there are no more jobs. Heaven is bankrupt. No more cars. No more houses. When if you kept your eyes on the word and not on somebody else, you'd still be believing God today. Well, they're more this than me, and they're more that than me, and they've had more success than me, and they've had more money than me, and they're more anointed than me, and they have a better platform than I do, and blah, 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 blah. It must be just nauseous to God to hear that nonsense. You're only responsible to live up to what he has called and ordained you to be and to do. What somebody else is doing is completely irrelevant. The only question is, are you doing what you were destined to do? It's not what everybody else is doing. And that is not license for you to be lazy. I don't have to compare myself so I can just be. No. It's like this. In God's mind, there is a cutout of what you are destined to be. And not your judgment in salvation. That's in Christ, not in what you do. But the judgment in terms of the believer, there is an image that he has for you. And for me, it was not an image of a white coat in a stethoscope. Amen. Dispensing meds all day. God gave that to Jackie. <laughs> Are you here today? The cutout he has for me Amen. He's wearing jeans and boots and a shirt and preaching. <laughs> no, I don't. I don't think it's the coat. Don't think it's the suit. It's the call. And so he is looking for certain fruit from what he has ordained me to be. And he's not going to use a cut, off, uh, cut out of somebody else's life to judge me. My job is to find out what that is and do it with my eyes or off other people. You know what that does? It makes you free to enjoy what he's called you to be. It makes you free to not go beyond what he's called you to be. It makes you free to thank God and enjoy what God has called other people that you can celebrate for other people when you are secure in what you're called to be in the things of God. Amen. You always find somebody that looks like they're sharper than you, more on the ball, doing more than you, and you'll find a bunch of people. See, here's the funny thing. When we do that, we rarely turn to the people who are bums. Yeah. 
We compare ourselves to people that are doing great things. Well, how do you stack up to the people who won't step into what God has called them to do? It's unwise. Come on, say, it is unwise. In his defiance of God, his tendency to pass the buck, in a situation where he compares himself to David, instead of saying, you know what, I have a great ally in David. David became a threat to him. Glory to God. Look at somebody and say, I'm going to just keep my transformation. Thank you very much. <laughs> Come on and say it. I'm not going to defy God or pass the buck or compare myself. <laughs> Do you know that God loves you exactly the way you are? Do you know he has a plan and a purpose for you? I don't feel like he does. Well, it's not up to us to give it to you. He'll give it to you. And the rest of your days, if you listen to me, the rest of your days you'll spend in satisfaction of knowing you're in the perfect will of God. There's nothing more powerful than that. Whatever he's assigned you to do. Come on, say, I got nothing to be jealous about. I got nothing to be threatened about. I've got nothing to compare myself about. You've got to find out what God's image of you is supposed to be. And then yield to it. Number four, how are you going to bankrupt and abort your transformation? Number four, mingle the spiritual influences in your life. Mingle the spirits. Necromancy, spiritism, spiritualism, fascination with the occult, the dark side, witchcraft, Wiccan is at an all-time high. Every once in a while, one of these individuals shows up in church. The discerning know they're there. The discerning take authority over them. Amen? Amen. <laughs> if you're here today, get saved. Amen. Repent. But you know, what we don't realize is that you and I are called to live in flow and in step with the Holy Spirit, being led by the Holy Spirit, not exposing ourselves from entertaining other spirits that would hinder the Word of God, the Spirit of God, and the thing He's doing on the inside of us. Amen. And it's become really, really blatant in some ways, and in some ways it's very, very subtle. That if you're in church on Sunday and you're worshiping the one true living God in spirit and in truth, and then you are mingling with other spirits throughout the week, you're going to shut down your transformation. And they're out there. Um, Juliana was over, and uh, she's a big fan of, of Bluey, the Australian public television thing that Disney just picked up. And I'm kind of not surprised that Disney picked it up because in the newest season, there's an episode about how they all have magic and they're supposed to use their magic for good. I just looked at Kelly, it's like, am I actually hearing and seeing this? And I said, that's time to shut that thing off. Now, I'm not one of these, you know, throw everything out, the baby in the bathwater, the no good can come from this. But I'm telling you, that's not in there by accident. And I don't have any business exposing myself to the mingling of spirits. And I sure don't want to be exposing my granddaughter to the mingling of spirits, even if something looks like it's okay. And some of these entertainment producers right now are going overboard to make sure you mingle with the spirits behind them. 
And I say, Pastor, what was the first thing that happened? The first thing that happened, I wasn't even paying attention, was this, this grieving in my spirit. This alarm going, I'm not, what is this all about? Because I know what that alarm has meant in other times. And sure enough, we don't use our magical powers for evil or for bad. Oh, yeah, you do. That's what a practicing witch or someone in Wicked will tell you. We are not bad witches. I don't remember what television network put it out, but they put a series out called The Good Witch. No such thing. That's like having something called Bad Jesus. It's not true. I'm not telling you to become, you know, a heresy hunter or a demon hunter. Just be sensitive to the things you're exposing yourself to. Because this man breaking his fellowship and covenant with God, decides, well, I need some help spiritually. I will go to a witch and try to summon the spirit of Samuel back so I can get some counsel. You can see how he keeps going down, down, further, further, further. Look at somebody and tell them, you mingle with other spirits, you'll stop your transformation. And they're everywhere. There is one true spirit. Pay attention to what he's telling you. Amen. If something's not suitable for you to expose yourself to, then don't do it. You're not missing anything. In fact, you know, at that moment say, well, why would I feel bad about this? It doesn't make any difference if you know why or not. And there are some people like that crossing your path. You have no business having close fellowship with. Because the spirit they represent is not the spirit of Christ on the inside of you. And you're troubled on the inside and you're trying to ignore that. Why should I pay attention? How can I tell you what you do? You say, you know what? I'm going to just change that channel or change my mind shit or make this decision because what's going to happen is I'm going to hold on to every benefit of that transformation. I'm not giving them my promotion, amen, and my anointing and my victory and the goodness of God over to mingle with that thing. And some of you don't mingle with necessarily some demonic spirits, but you do mingle with religious spirits. Legalism and judgmentalism. I've said this and repeated this on many occasions in the past several months and several conversations. But you know what? It's great if your doctrine on your head is straight and you understand what you believe. But if your doctrine makes you mean, that doctrine is not of God. The doctrine of Christ is going to make you loving and kind and joyful, but you get mean and belligerent and judgmental and abrasive. Does that sound like Jesus or does that sound like the Pharisees that persecuted Jesus? Amen. Say it with me. My doctrine should make me joyful and loving and kind. Amen. Don't mingle spirits or you'll compromise <laughs> your transformation. Hallelujah. All the things he gave up. My last one. Do you know that Saul became so demonized that by the end of this, this route, he's, he's so upset with David, he starts launching spears at the man. And David said, strike one. <laughs> Amen. And when you read the stories, you think, I, you know, if I were David, how many of you were David, you pick the spear up? <laughs> huh? And throw it back. Oh, no, I'm too holy for that, Pastor. I, 
I would never pick the spear back up and throw it back at King Saul. No, David wouldn't. In fact, when David had a chance to take him out, he just cut a little piece corner from his garment. And that caused him to be grief stricken because he knew not to touch God's anointed. He would not dare throw a spear at the king for risk of losing what God had for him in the future. A lot of people don't understand that today. Well, I, I, Pastor, I don't even own a spear. How am I supposed to throw a spear if I don't own a spear? I guess I'm out on that one. No, you're not, because the modern church doesn't use physical spears anymore. They use words. And somebody throws some words at you, what do you want to do? You want to throw some words back at them. And this tendency for you and for me to be spear throwers is going to compromise the good thing that God has on the inside of us. To be able to receive someone throwing a spear at you and not respond in kind is a mark of maturity. To just simply say, I just cast those words to the ground, command them to die, to bear no fruit in my life. There'll be no harvest off of that. I choose to love them. I choose to say good things. Remember what Jesus said, pray for your enemies. Do good for them. Amen. Bless them. Say good things about them. That is so hard to do. But if you're interested in his transformation, you care about it. Amen. Say to me, oh God, oh God. I, repent I repent for defying you, passing the buck, comparing myself, mingling spirits, and throwing spears. Just speak the word of God over them and bless them. Amen. What God is doing and wants to do in your life is too important. Amen. Come on and say it. I'm not going to be Uzziah. I'm not going to be Samson. I'm not going to be Saul. I'm not going to be Gehazi. I've got the message. I started a journey of transformation when I got born again. And I fully expect every benefit of that transformation in my life, say it boldly, Divine promotion, Divine promotion. Direction. direction, restoration, restoration. Increase. increase, gifts, gifts. Change. change, blessing, blessing. Instruction. instruction, and platform. I refuse to give that up by defying God, passing the buck, comparing myself, mingling spirits, the throwing spears. Amen. See, now you all be ready for the rest of this message. And why talk about transformation if we're just going to abort it in midstream? But we're not going to in Jesus' name. I'm looking at the blessed of God. I'm looking at the transformed of God. I'm looking at you've come too far to turn back now. Amen. And give up on the things of God. Come on, stand your feet and give him a big hand clap and a praise offering.